Hi, I'm Julie Wilkinson, and I'm a Chartered Management Accountant, and I'm excited to be launching the Build and Exit podcast. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to expand their business portfolio by acquisition, or at some point in the future, want to exit their business. We're going to bring real life stories and experiences of people who have grown by acquisition, who have exited their businesses and other areas of business such as funding and cash flows. So there'll be lots of opportunity to learn different areas of business and how you can, in the end, transition your business from a lifestyle to an asset. So look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, and welcome to the Build and Exit podcast. I'm Julie Wilkerson, and I'm the owner and founder of Wilkerson Accounting Solutions. I started the podcast off the back of the work we do in my firm. We specialize in mergers and acquisitions, and we have guests on the show that talk about business growth, uh, exit planning, acquisitions, and really just talking about how we can develop and grow in business. So I'm really excited today to have Catherine Jones. She's the founder and director of um, the Think Wine Group. And it's a really interesting topic today. A little bit different to what we normally do, but I think it's really good to have a bit of variety. So uh, Catherine's owned the Think Wine Group for four years and had a bit of a we could say mishap, uh, effectively, I mean, we'll go into it more in the podcast, but effectively lost about 60K from a third-party agent who stole some money. She subsequently then went on to get some funding, uh, which we'll talk about, went on a little bit, and then the funding didn't materialize, and that ended up her in 100K of debt. However, Catherine is still here with a successful company, so it's going to be a really interesting story, and I think positive one for a lot of people to say yes things go wrong but we can still make it so I just want to say thanks for coming on Catherine no thank you for having me I appreciate it and um yeah tell us a bit about a background and why you came on the show yeah yeah so I actually have two businesses uh, we're here primarily today to speak about Think Wine Group but um the whole reason Think Wine Group started was due to my influencer marketing background so I have another company called We Are Social Nation we manage people with really large social media followings, um, primarily Instagram and TikTok. So most of our clients have between 500,000 followers up to, say, 10 million followers. And the whole reason Think Wine was ever founded, so Think, just so you know, is a, it's a premium, it's a low sugar, it's low calorie, it's vegan, it's organic, it's low sulfite. It's basically as good as you could make a wine, but without removing the alcohol. Because <laughs> um, we wanted to keep the fun part, of course. Um, but it's as you know, as healthy as you could get it without removing alcohol, basically. And the whole reason I founded it was because I was working with e-commerce businesses and we were growing them rapidly through the use of influencer marketing. And I realized that I wanted my own product to utilize this model on and obviously sell wine direct to customer via influencers also my influencers were all really health conscious so they were turning vegan and they were big on sustainability they were doing a keto diet some of them were even diabetic so it raised the question of you know what what are we missing and it is like a, a low sugar low calorie bubbly brand so that's that's why we launched so i still have social nation it's influencer marketing and then i, I have think wine as well which obviously is the story with with all the tales to tell. <laughs> yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you. So we'll get into the nitty gritty then. So the uh, I know you mentioned to me that you had this third party agent. 
I suppose the end result was you lost 60K uh, from this partnership. So maybe you could just tell a bit of background about how that, why that formed and sort of how that came to fruition. Yeah, clubs. So when I was starting the company, I knew that I wanted the business to be, it was going to be a bespoke product. It was made specifically for me. It was my recipe. I would create it. I didn't want a wine that was off the shelf that I would just put my label on and call my own because effectively that's what most wine brands are that you see inside, you know, Tesco, Asda, Aldi. They're probably three of them are the exact same product, but they've all got a different label on from a different brand. So when I was originally trying to create Think Wine, I needed to find a winery that was ready to become like my partner. And so, you know, they'd work alongside me. It was really difficult because I don't speak Italian. I guess find and go and visit these wineries without any pre-existing relationships. So I went online and I found a wine agent, um, this guy called Giuseppe. And I met him in Italy when I went we got on like a house on fire and he was amazing. He's worked in wine for many, many years. He drove me to, well, I went back to and forth to Italy about five to 10 times. So every time I would go, he'd meet me at the airport, he'd take me around, he'd check me into my hotel. He was really, really great. And in the end, working alongside him for months, we found our winery and then we, you know, we were able to create this specific wine. And we were able to negotiate on the price as well, because obviously Giuseppe spoke the language, he had the pre-existing relationships. It went really well as a partnership for, I mean, bearing in mind, I worked for him for two years prior to launching. So we knew each other for four or five years by the point this actually happened. And one day I paid him for the wine and he just didn't pay the winery and he just dropped off the base of the air. You know, the emails were bouncing, the phone number never answered or was off. Nobody knew where he'd gone. The winery couldn't find him. It was just crazy. And like at, at one point, the winery actually called the police and the police were just like, we wouldn't do anything about this. Like, this is, you know, not of interest to us. Like, take him to court if you want to. But the amount of money it would cost you to take someone to court in Italy over something like this. You know, the math isn't nothing. So it's not something that I could really have done because it would have been a risk and it would have been a risk of me losing another 50 grand just trying to get him. Um, so, you know, we tried our options. We sent a couple of legal letters. We contacted everyone we knew who knew him. Basically, nobody wanted to pick it up. No one wanted to help. And in the end, I realized it's the lost cause. Like, this money is not coming back. And he's just feared off the face of the earth. So I had to kind of admit defeat and just be like, right, I'm going to have to find a way to to move on, which is when, um, as I said to you when we spoke, I never really wanted to look at an investor yet because I was bootstrapped and, you know, cash was tight. But I always had that kind of 50 grand buffer in the bank and so I knew I could carry on for a little bit longer without needing to onboard someone I wanted to wait it out as long as possible before so that when I did get someone you know I was going to get the the correct price and stuff on the shares so I, I went out and started looking for investments and and just put myself out there really I was I guess networking with a lot of people and in yeah. the end I got in 
introduce do you want me to get into this point yeah well i just think if it just uh, if you go to the so the agent then that took the money when you yeah. signed up with the agent did you have like teams yeah. and season with? did you have contracts and things oh, yeah. in place yeah yeah yeah, yeah so it's interesting well, is that doesn't matter in italy <laughs> no and it's how itself. <laughs> well i think we have a similar thing really in the uk i think it's hard um especially through companies but how many times did you ordered through him then is it because it was a couple of years wasn't it yeah i'd been ordering for years it was multiple times i'd say we would usually order at least twice a year so i've ordered at least eight times off him and everything's always been fine and bearing in mind the relationship's great because i've met him so much over the years and we've gone out for dinner and we've had you know we've grown a friendship if anything which is why you know it was so you just just hard to accept and heartbreaking really but and did you and and so do you have a new agent now? No, I go direct now. You go direct to the factories yourself. I would not be trusting anyone again. No, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. No, it works like that. He's given all agents a bad name, only in my mind, of course. But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that again. No, because I suppose paying anyone up front, I suppose there's, that ends up being a bit of a risk, doesn't it? If you're always paid up front, so yeah. So you went out to find the investor then, so you're networking. And then I know you had a bit of a difficulty with the investor because in the end it didn't materialise. So how did you end up finding the investor? I was actually introduced by a friend. So I think that is where my defences were down right away. You know, if someone you know and you trust is introducing you to someone, then naturally you're a little less, I guess, cautious. Also, I don't think, I mean, I've I've obviously experienced like theft, but also like from a member of staff previously, they've stolen from me. So I've, I guess I've, I've experienced theft, but I've never really experienced like fraud as such. Um, and so I, I can't say that like I ever even like considered that an investor could be like fraudulent or a fraudster. I know there's fraud. When I think of fraud, I'm thinking of like, you know, people throwing in houses and saying like, oh, hi, I'm your bank. Give me some money or like what's your login, you know, when you get the text and it's like, oh, we're the Royal Mail. That's what I think of when I think of fraud. I've never really got someone literally pretending to be someone they are not. That seems like it's just a movie. Well, that's basically what happened to me. Yeah, I, I got introduced to an investor via a friend. Therefore, I really, you know, kind of trusted that he was legit. And we got we went through the whole process and um, I met up with him in America. He was an American. And um, we met in the US, you know, it was all great. He taught a great game and um, told us that he had an island in Australia that he just bought. He had all the press releases to prove it. You know, I Googled the island, Googled his name, it's all there. He's buying this island. Um so he was very, very, very good. Um fraudulent one like i'm not the only one who's been targeted since since this happened to me i actually posted all about it on linkedin and i've had about 15 people message me saying i'm going through the same so he's still at it despite like you know we've done everything we've done like telling the police telling the fbi before and forward and you know out and i'm on linkedin all of that and yet he is still out there but he's, he's very very good at what he does and he has to really believe in. So we went through everything, you know, the whole, the contractual stage, 
you know, everything was, okay, we're going to get you in. We've got shares in the Hard Rock Cafe. We're going to get you into the Hard Rock Cafe. We're going to do this, that, and the other. So we had, we truly believed that, you know, we've we've made it. This is amazing. You know, it's pulled us out. But it actually turns out like that he was literally just not who he says he was. And he doesn't actually have a penny and he doesn't actually have a fund. And it was all just a lie. Now, people always say, what use is that for him to pretend to give you money? That's what I thought as well. And the whole reason it went on for a whole year is because I couldn't believe that someone would pretend to give you money. Like, I'd get it if he was stealing money off me. If I was investing in his fund, then I understand that because obviously the outcome is you're getting money. But to just mess along for a year, you know, to the point where it was full gaslighting. Like, Kath, of course the money's come. I've just transferred it. Like telling me you just transferred it two minutes ago. It, it it never came. And it was just constant like gaslighting. But I just couldn't believe why would you string someone along if it, if it wasn't the plan to give them money. Anyway, it turns out the way they're set up. So they have like a fake fund. So they were using like their allegiance with me as such, like to get other people to put into their fund. So I was one mm. of a couple of other businesses. So they would say, you know, oh, look at this deck. This is in line. If you invest with us, you're going to have shares and think why. If you invest with, I don't know, but I'll just make up a name, um, poor wine, you know, they're going <laughs> to, then, you know, you're going to get shares in poor wine. Basically, they had all these companies with all our debts and they were pretending they were associated with us, showing these people our LinkedIn pages and everything to get money off them. And oh, then they, okay. they were then taking the money from, the fund and embezzling it or whatever they were doing with it. But we obviously, as the businesses that were being, he, he was pretending he was going to invest in, we obviously never seen any of it. So these other people are thinking that they're investing in us and then he's keeping it and we're never getting Ooh. anything. And, so, has, and oh, blimey. So has that had any repercussions on you? From the investment side of things, because I suppose that's no. are they there promising people shares in your company? And I don't think what? it's as direct as direct as that because it's like if you put into our fund, then for example, it's it's going to meet these four businesses or whatever. But Ooh. the deal is always between the person and the fund. So. The only reason I know this is because people have found me since on LinkedIn and been like, hello, have you heard about us? Because, you know, we've heard about you because we got pitched yeah. that we were going to be, you know, working with you, blah, blah, blah. And oh, also man. since my posts come out, people have seen it and gone, oh, yeah, by the way, they, you know, they use your name to kind of legitimize themselves. Um, and we thought, you know, we were going to be involved with your business and your growth and so, but no, no one's ever come at me because of it, because everyone is aware that it is him. Right, everyone is okay. aware. So the, the, the yeah. war is not between that side and that side. The war is purely on him. Yeah. So it went a year. I mean, when did you finally make, when did you realise, hold on a minute, something's not right. I'm this, I've got to stop this. I didn't realise. I didn't, I didn't not realise. I just blanked it out that you know I couldn't bring myself to believe it because if I brought myself to believe it that would mean that my company was going to be basically in the bin 
because what had happened was I had started because of this deal going through and it all being so legitimate and, you know, our deal signed off. I'm saying, right, we need a van because I can't manage the deliveries anymore. I've only got a small car. I need a van to be able to manage the distribution. Yeah, go and buy a van, just get it on finance. It's fine. Your money will be in your bank next week. So, like, you know, crack on. So I do things like this. I would buy a van. I'd, you know, so I'm racking up debt and I'm thinking, by the time I kind of, it kind of hit me that it was fake. I'm like, wow, if this is fake, I'm in so deep that my company will not survive this. So surely it can't be fake. And that's why I kind of continued on. I'd say six months in, I knew there was, I knew, I knew there was a big problem. Yeah. For another six months because I was desperate to believe it. And I didn't know how else I was, I was going to get out of it. But then I finally, like, I mean, the penny had dropped long before, if I'm honest, but like when, when the penny dropped to the point where I can't do this for my own mental health because it's driving me nuts and I've just got to accept that this was all a lie, then only then was I able to start trying to recover. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I see that although yours is in this investor scenario, I think it's quite normal, like for people to sort of, I suppose, in a way, bury their head in the sand. I, I see it a lot in the acquisitions, you know, when people want the deal to be true, so yeah. they'll kind of like know the sellers not giving them the information, and they'll try and rush to head to terms, thinking it's all going to be you know hunky dory when they get to due diligence, and then you know. Deals are just dragging on for months, probably even sometimes over a year, and yeah. they never get anywhere because ultimately it never improves. Yeah, and potentially financially, they're not as like maybe you were hit financially, so it's not always a financial hit. But the, I think it's the emotional hit uh, yeah. of something like that as that well. Is worst part of hundred percent is the worst part because in my lifetime I'm not an anxious person I'm just not I'm not naturally like that way and so in my life I've never loved sleep over anything until this and, so, and two things relatively closely with the yeah, agent reckon, and then the that's, investor that's what it was it was you know a, a series of events and and literally thinking right if this doesn't pay off now like I'm I'm gonna lose my business and I've got staff and anyway it, the whole thing just exploded and and that is what left me in such like a state in terms of like my mental health which I've never experienced before to the point where I I I was always you know a, a bit skeptical when people would tell me like oh I can't sleep at night because I'm worrying over you know it's something small which to me it's very small but obviously to them it's not but I could never empathize because I'm like what do you mean it's just so small and so insignificant like how are you going to lose sleep over that because that's I'm just not that way and then all of a sudden I'm losing sleep and all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh my God, this is how these people feel. This is what people mean when they're telling me that they're anxious and it's making them ill and they can't sleep at night. I understand now. So in a way, I suppose, you know, for my own self-development and empathy and it, it, it has been, I guess, a, a learning curve and maybe something that I needed to go through. Yeah, and I think, well... Obviously, you did get through it because the company is still here. So we will touch on that in a minute. Yeah. But I suppose if someone is going to go through either working with an agent or an investor from sort of the things you've learned, if you could yeah. go back or you could say to somebody, this is what I might have done differently. I mean, have you reflected on that? Do you think there is anything you could have done differently to 
potentially prevent these things or mitigate it or stop it sooner? Is there something you might do differently? It's so hard that because, you know, I did everything by the book. I had a contract and a steel contract as far as like the UK law and EU law is concerned. But when you realise the costs of actually taking someone to call, your contract means nothing because you, if, if you're owed 50 grand, but you're going to spend 50 grand trying to get it back, there's just no no sense in that to me. Um, yeah. So to me, I feel like the legal system is a problem. Uh, yeah, like I, I had that wrapped up as legally tight as I possibly could. Then I have this great, great relationship with him because I've worked with them three years. So obviously this 10th order of mine, I'm not even thinking, I'm just like, yeah, please yeah. do blah, blah, blah. So it's, for that point, I truly don't think there's much because I've done differently. No. Apart from maybe get a better gut, gut feeling on a human being. Because, you know, for me, I trusted him truly and wholly. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't feel that on that point there is really much I could have done. While as on the like the fraudulent investor point, yes, that there must have been things I could have done because this was not his first rodeo. He's been doing this for years. So if I would have investigated further, I would have been able to find more lawsuits against them. I would have and I did take due diligence, but it was mainly like it was mainly Googling and, you know, finding articles on them and I knew that his name was his name, like I knew where he lived, all these types of things. But what I didn't realize, like, is all the things that, you know, he was spouting, like, oh, he works alongside the Hard Rock Cafe. I should have probably picked up the phone and been like, hello, Hard Rock Cafe, have you ever heard about this guy? Yeah. Or maybe you know, do some money laundering checks on the companies. Exactly. He's done some money laundering checks, you might have found. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I think the problem is there is that they just shut things down and start them again. And I think because yeah. they were American as well, I feel like I would have delved deeper if it was a UK company because you've got a company's house, you've got a UK solicitor. He can like look up, look at things and you know all about all the lawsuits that were happening. While as in America, it's like everything's done in a different state. They cover the tracks. They've got all the right press things. And I don't know. I, there's definitely more I could have done and I should have done especially, you know, I shouldn't have just gone, oh, I had an introduction from someone I trust. That must mean he's fine. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, I should have straight away been thinking, right, is this too good to be true? Because it sounds like it is, so it probably is. And I think that's something I've learned now. I'm like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Because why is this guy just going to come to me? I'm not in the best place financially, but he's like trying to throw all this money at me. He's, you know, begging me to come and be the only wine on his island and the only wine at Hard Rock Cafe. I should have gone, this is too good to be true, and then talk more about it. But by the time I, I did that, it was too late. I'd, I'd already, you know, yeah, nothing All I can right. do. Well, <laughs> on, a, on a positive note, though, the company and, is still here. So although you thought, okay, I can't survive it, you obviously did. So yeah. How? How? If you if you you'd obviously lost at this point the sixty k from the agent, and now you've racked up this debt, mm-hmm. um, which I think was about hundred k or something. You said to me. So, um, how did you then move forward without the investor? Then basically, I was about to do a crowdfund. Um, I thought, right, the only way I can survive this is is if I get cash quick. And you know, the the way I'm thinking of doing this is a crowdfund. So, 
that's what I need to do type of thing. Um, and then people start, I, I told my story on LinkedIn. So first things first, ask for some help because it was eating me up inside. It was making me sick. Nobody knew. People knew, like obviously who worked with me or my mom, dad, whatever, but nobody knew. So, um, you know, people going, oh, Kathy's smashing it. And I'm going, I'm not. Well, I'm not telling them why. I'm just like, don't dare say that to me. You know, I'm horrified. But people are just trying to be nice. They think like, oh, you look like you're doing really well. And but I was like, I'm not. So, you know, don't, don't say anything to me. Just And I was, I was, I think I was probably horrible around that time. Just like, don't speak. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear. Came a point where I was like, only the truth will set me free. And I did a big video on LinkedIn and I said everything that had happened. And I was like, please help me. I don't know what to do. I need an investor. I need to raise money. I need, you know, I, I literally, this is where I am. I've spent days crying and I'm going to lose my business. Please help. And actually people helped, you know, whether it was people buying a bottle of wine off my website, which gave a tiny bit of cash in, like into the business um, to people introducing me to investors, to people adding me to groups, um, people saying they would do work for me free you know, small bits of consultancy work that, that could try and help. I had so many people offer to help me and it pulled me out of the darkness. I think I was like, wow, people are good and there is going to be a way to survive. The, the reason I actually survived is because I found another investor in the end, a very legitimate, nice, amazing person. And then after finding that amazing um, investor who got me through the first part, I'm still not fully out the other end, by the way. You know, things are still a struggle, but I'm here and we're going to survive it. It's, it's fine. But we're not like fully out of it. Like, woo, clear, full of money. It's, it's not like that. It's, you know, we're just, we're, we're scraping on by. But I've recently got a huge, huge, uh, and I won't go into detail on this, but a huge deal with China, selling a large amount of bottles to China. And that will, that will, when that actually is finished and done, that will pull us completely out of like all debt, all issues, and it will give us cash flow, you know, to run comfortably for the next few years. So that's where we are. Um, still not fully out the other end, but still surviving, and we're we're gonna come out the other side. Great. So yeah, that's where we are. Well, it's brilliant, Catherine. At the end of the day, yes, there's things that have gone wrong, but I think the most important lesson really is, you know, you can get through it. Yeah, um, you can. and you did find another investor. I didn't realize you got one, but that's really good. But the fact is, is you, you know, you put, you got, you got through the bad stage, and you know, managing to pull yourself back out the other side, aren't you? So um, it's an interesting story because, you know, I think especially in investments, I personally think so many people are always pushing for investments. Sometimes about, I mean, yours was a different scenario because obviously you lost yeah. that big amount of cash. Yeah, but I do hear a lot of people go, oh, I need this big amount of money. And actually, sometimes they don't look internally first at opportunities. Mm. I mean, I know we've gone into businesses and turned probably 70, 80,000 pounds of cash around within a within a matter of four, four to five weeks just from changing different things internally. Um, so I do think sometimes people are quick to just Which always think they need large third-party investments when actually there might be some short-term things they can do to help mitigate their situation without that need. Yeah, yeah, no, I could, um, I could see so, that, yeah. yeah. Well, but anyway, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I just want to say to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening. We're not too far off 4,000 downloads now. 
so yeah, yeah. But there's a new podcast. We launched a new podcast in 2024. Uh, YouTube, sorry, YouTube channel because we it was on my company account, but now we've got to build an exit YouTube. So I just like to say to all the listeners that if you love the episodes, hit the subscribe button or you know leave us a rating and review because it helps more listeners find our channel. And I'll see you again soon. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you think there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from our podcast, then please share it with them. Either just click the link and send it to them or send it in a Facebook group or other social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe so other podcasts come to you directly as and when we launch them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you next time. We've got some really exciting things coming up and we'll see you again soon. 